Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome. It is good to see all of you today. And today, we are finishing the sermon series that we started all the way back on June 3rd when we began with James 1.1. We have not had just one verse. Every week, we would still be going on for quite a few months if that were the case. I know that some of us have been traveling throughout the summer and may have missed a few weeks, and so to hear the whole book taught, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcasts online so you can hear the whole thing. But today, as we finish the book of James, today's service is going to be different. Maybe you noticed this from the bulletin. If you're visiting, I want you to know that today's service is different, so if you want to see how we usually do things, come back another week. And if you're one of the people who really likes things to be the same every week, come back again next week. (laughs) Okay, one of the things James talks about is being not only hearers of the word, but doers as well. And as I studied this passage, I thought, what a wonderful opportunity for us to do what James says together. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be participating in James' invitation to pray, to share our troubles, to receive anointing for healing. And so as we move into this unusual Sunday, we're going to begin in an unusual posture. Last Sunday, Pastor Simon asked if we were the kind of church where people raised their hand, and I was the only one who said yes. (laughs) But I actually invite us all, as I pray, to lift our hands up with your palms open. And this symbolizes two things. First, it symbolizes a relinquishment of expectation. So whatever you or I expected to happen today, it might not happen. Let's relinquish our expectations to God. But just as we relinquish our expectations, so too do we show our openness to receiving whatever God has for us today. Let's be open to what God has. So I invite you to sit. If if putting your hands up is just too out of the box, you can keep them on your lap. (laughs) But palms up together as we pray and, and relinquish expectations to God and invite God to work among us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're present with us, and we praise you for being here. And I thank you for all the people who are here to worship you together with open hearts to receive whatever gifts you might offer us today. We relinquish our expectations and know that what you have for us is so much more than we could ever even imagine. Fill us with hope, fill us with joy, fill us with trust in your promises. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna start right away with a passage. James 5, chapter 13 says, Is anyone, anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. I, I want you to know I really wish it didn't start out this way with the trouble. I wish that James would have switched it around with, with the praise part first, right? That's usually how we gather in worship. First we praise, right? But here it is, trouble, right off the bat. 
It's sort of like if you go to a party and meet someone for the first time and the first thing they tell you is about their plantar fasciitis and how their driver's license was just revoked. It's really awkward. <laughs> you don't know what to say, but here it is in scripture. Is anyone among you in trouble? But there's a certain truth in this, I think. An expectation that some of us are experiencing hardship. And I think we might be. It doesn't take much to scratch the surface and realize that, that many of us are broken in some way or more lonely than we may be willing to admit. Sometimes we can find some solace in, in the vulnerability of other people. There's a, a song I've heard on the radio this summer that the singer realizes the other person is lonely and broken too. And he says, I could be lonely with you. You're broken. You're broken like me. I could be broken with you. And I want to tell that singer and all of us that Jesus came for people who are broken and lonely. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's not the whole that need the, a doctor, it's the broken. Jesus did not come to call the popular, but the lonely. I think I'm broken too. Is that awkward to hear that from a pastor? But I don't want to pretend everything is always okay with me. I think that might be some of the problems, the root to some of the problems we've seen recently in the some of the failures of the wider evangelical leadership that we've witnessed recently. Are we all afraid to say that we're broken? That we're in trouble sometimes? That we're lonely? So how can we respond with vulnerability to James' question? Is anyone among you suffering hardship? Are any of you in trouble? Maybe you're kind of already putting your hand up on the inside. Sometimes we, we struggle with hardship or, or loneliness, and our, it's challenging to name. There's this vague sense of maybe not knowing who you are or why you're here in the world right now. Maybe it's more specific. Maybe you've been looking for a new job for a while, and, and then you wonder if you're in the wrong career. You wonder, now that you're retired, what are you here for? What's your purpose? Maybe stuff is a mess at home. If you're married, maybe what if your marriage feels like a dead plant and there's no hope for it? Or you're deeply concerned about some of your kids or your grandkids in school and school hasn't even started yet. Maybe you're suffering because you're a victim in an abusive relationship and, and you feel ashamed and afraid to talk to someone about it. This is all trouble and this is the reason James instructs us to go to God together in prayer, to carry one another's burdens. But there's more to this text, right? Are any of you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So right after this awkward trouble part, James is saying that the way to speak of your joy is to pray in song of praise to God. And so we're overwhelmed with joy, and not because we have no trouble, we have trouble, but because God is good in spite of our trouble. And we praise God, not because of what we have or who we've made ourselves to be, but because of who God is, who God is 
through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we can rejoice, even in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trouble, because God is with us. I've thought a lot about joy in my life. People give me stuff that says joy. My name is Joy, for you, those of you who are visiting. Um, there's a plaque in my office I still need to hang up, but it says, joy is not the absence of suffering, but the presence of God. So trouble first. Today, this is how we're going to participate. We're going to hear a testimony of trouble from one of our own, and he's also going to teach us some ways we might respond to the trouble in other people's lives when they share it, ways we can respond that are similar to the ways Jesus responded. And then there's going to be an open time of sharing trouble. Pastor Simon's going to lead this. You can share it with one another so we can pray for you and share our burdens. Just share it in two or three sentences. And then we're going to pray for those who've shared their trouble. And then we're going to sing a song of joy together after we hear another video about uh, joy and rejoicing. So are you ready to participate today? I've been a member of the church for around 35 years. My wife and I, Beverly, were married here in 1988. We've been members of the church. We've raised our kids here, uh, both psychologists by trade. And one of the greatest troubles or challenges that we've had over the last seven years is Beverly has early onset Alzheimer's, which now means that she has trouble with simple words, no longer sentences. She needs help bathing and dressing and feeding and needs continuous care. So we have caregivers at home working shifts and I cover the nights and the weekends. So who the Beverly was is no longer with us, but her spirit and wonderful patience and loving smile is still very much a part of things. So I think that gives me some street cred in the troubles department. If you learn that my wife has Alzheimer's, don't say, yeah, my grandmother does too and I know what you're going through. No, you don't. You know maybe what your grandmother's going through, but don't presume you know what I'm going through. It's much better to ask something like, what's the hardest thing for you right now? What are your greatest challenges? Um, and don't say God works all things for good or he doesn't give you more than you can handle. But you might say, given the horrible thing you're in, what have you learned about yourself? When you struggle and you have troubles, the, the sort of irrational fear is if I name it, it'll become more true or it will grow. Uh, when you think about it, if you are very uh, protective of what ails you or what your flaws and imperfections are, it limits how close you can be to another person. Because you'll always have this thought in your head, oh my goodness, if they only knew this about me, would they still like me, love me, or care about me? When you take that risk and you're still loved and cared for and accepted anyway, it's really freeing. I've tried to discipline my mind when I have a worry thought. Oh, Beverly has had a really bad day today and so have I. 
And then I try to tag on the end of that sentence a big and. And what a sunrise there was this morning. Where I heard the birds or the colors of the flowers in the garden or the smile on her face is so heartwarming. Always try to have an and that I can add to something good. But Jesus was all about stepping into those awkward silences and showing up and saying so. And we need to. Often we don't because we aren't really sure what to say. The more we can share in our vulnerability, as a writer, Brene Brown, said, that is the measuring stick of courage. And that we merely need to be more courageous with one another through our vulnerability. Is anyone among you sick? It's such a powerful question. Related to that is one of the passages that I, I honestly I stare at quite a bit. It's in 1 John chapter 1. When the author says, if we say we have fellowship with him, meanwhile we walk in darkness. Meanwhile we walk in darkness. Meaning meanwhile we walk in a place where we feel just a presence of darkness. And then we're, we're lying and we don't practice the truth. But see, if we walk in the light, in God's light, as he is in the light, then we would have fellowship or friendship with one another. In other words, we can have a new kind of relationship when we're honest about the darkness that we walk in. We have fellowship with one another, and then here's the promise. The blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all sin. If we say we have no sin, which again can mean sin, but can also mean if we say that we have nothing wrong in our lives, if we're just good on the surface, if we stay there, if we say we have no sin, then we're really lying, and then the truth isn't in us. But listen to this, friends. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to wash us from all unrighteousness. Now, when I hear that passage to that instruction, that invitation to, you know, confess my sins, I automatically think of a, you know, kind of an icky thing. Like, ugh, it means I got to sit in a dark room and share with somebody like a pastor or a priest. But what they're really saying here is when we're honest with each other, when we are willing to say out loud the things that are really struggling with, that we're really struggling with, then God is right and faithful and he'll, he has healing for us. And this, as you can see in that passage, is done in the company of good friendship. As I mentioned to you last week, I am so looking forward to growing in my friendship with you. I wish we could do it right now, but it's going to take time. But I do want to invite you that maybe if you're here this morning and there's just something part of your life where you've just been in struggle with, there's maybe some section of your life right now that just feels dark. Would you be willing to share it? Maybe in a way there's just a couple of sentences uh, that we can be praying for you, that I can be praying for you. Maybe you're comfortable enough to do it here in this space of friends that you know and love so dearly. I'd be willing to hear those prayer requests right now. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part in the world, even there thy hand will guide me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. That is uh, the verse that I have held dear for 
all the years that Bill and I have traveled to distant places, and I just know that the Lord has me in the hollow of His hand. I've been truly blessed my whole life to just have joy in my heart. Even when Bill passed away less than two years ago, I, I was so at peace. I, my heart was just so filled with gratitude for all that he has given me through my life and that he was my husband. And After my son was killed, I couldn't cry. I was sapped of everything in me. So my joy is different. It's a more mature joy now. It isn't a fake. It is that the Lord is with me. That verse says it, regardless of where I am. If I'm on the furthest side of the sea, the Lord is with me and he's holding me fast in his right hand. In one year I read through the Bible and I marked just all the joys every time I came across joy. I've never lost the joy or contentment within me and I'm just so grateful that I'm never down. You know, I just truly am grateful. My heart is always happy, always content, always just so grateful for all the Lord has given me. What I love about Maggie's request and joy and, uh, and Jean's words are, do you see how trouble leads to joy? Do you see that, how trouble and joy come together uh, in a holy way? And I believe that's God's work in our lives. So we're going to continue to follow this scripture. Um, are any of you happy? Do any of you have reasons for joy? Certainly we have reasons uh, to claim our troubles and our difficulties. And I know for a fact that almost every one of you could name a, a, a trouble or a difficulty. And it's okay if you didn't share that out loud. It's easy for us, easier for us at times to share our joys. So if I could, uh, let's practice that as a church. Let's name the reasons that we're happy. We should rejoice uh, for the reasons that give us joy. So just start calling out things that, that you are happy and joyful about. Let's hear them. Joy. Grandchildren. Church. Family. Lake Michigan. All right. Summertime. Pastor Simon being here with us, yeah. What reasons do we have for joy? A few more. Luke, baby Luke who's here today. Absolutely. Jobs, yeah, having employment. We have this space. What a great space for us to worship in. We have many reasons for joy, and it's good for us to practice celebration. I was at a wedding, uh, performing a wedding here yesterday, and I was reminded uh, as we were uh, at the reception remarking on a, a wonderful time together, the holy moment that the service was, and eating this great food and in this beautiful place, that this is part of what God calls us to. 
is joy and celebration and rejoicing. And part of how we express that in our church is by the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Whenever we pass the offering plate, this is a reason to say thank you. It's a reason for rejoice. And as we do so, we're going to sing uh, a hymn of rejoice. So I'll invite you to uh, take your hymnals and you can turn to hymn number 319, Praise Him, Praise Him, as the offering plate comes by. The ushers can come forward. Let us continue in the book of James. James 5, 14 through 18. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. The word of the Lord. Let's hear another testimony of God's work in our midst. About two and a half years ago, uh, I found out uh, almost by accident that I had a cancerous tumor on my kidney and it needed to be removed right away because unbeknownst to me, it was bigger than my kidney. And so uh, that surgery was scheduled pretty quick. And after the surgery was over, uh, the uh, surgeon said it was very successful. They got everything and it came back in a lymph node. So I've been having chemo since just before Thanksgiving last year. And I had my last treatment three weeks ago and I'm, I'm done. The tumor is gone and uh, the, the experimental program that I've been on, a clinical trial, has been successful for me and I'm very fortunate because uh, from what I understand from the doctor, I'm the first one to have gotten this far. So, you know, we've been through a couple of tough on us deaths in the last few years. My dad died and then Literally a year and a couple of days later, Alec died, or, you know, our, my stepson, Kirsten's son. And I just realized that, uh, you know, this could end at any time. And instead of being afraid of it, I got to embrace it. I, I got to say that uh, I've prayed more in the last three or four years than I probably did in my whole life. It's funny, my when I go down to my mom and, and you know, we say prayers and stuff, she goes... You're so good at that. <laughs> so, Mom, I've been practicing. <laughs> Prayer is no different than uh, baseball or tennis. If you work at it, you'll you'll get better at it. Yeah, I gotta say that I've been, you know, thankful not only for all the people that have been praying for me, but that um, you know, you go to a doctor, they tell you you got cancer, they send you to another doctor, and then when it came back, they sent me to an oncologist and. And um, I didn't know what to do. If you're at peace, then whatever's gonna happen, you know, if you're meant to be healed, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about the progress, what's gonna happen. It'll, it'll happen, and if it's not gonna happen, 
and you've come to terms with that, then you can go away in peace too. Mm -hmm. So just as we go to God when we're in trouble, so too do we go when we're sick. In fact, James recommends that we don't keep this to ourselves, but we invite leaders of the church to come to us and pray for us and anoint us. And this word for prayer that James uses means a fervent wish or petition. It's an entreaty. And then James gives this promise, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. This is an invitation for us to try to stay in this space between desire. We desire for ourselves and those we love who are sick to be healed, right? And demand. We also know we are asking something about God's will, which we do not know God's will all the time. So a prayer often offered in faith, again, just like we did earlier, is a prayer offered with an open palm. We know that not all who are prayed for are healed right away or healed physically here in this life. Even Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, died later, right? And we all know of situations where people of great faith, including the Apostle Paul, prayed for healing and did not, see, did not receive the answer they desire. But we also know that Jesus went around healing people, right? And so did the apostles. Jesus' heal healings went, went along with statements that said something like, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is among you. And when Jesus healed, we understand this to be an inbreaking of God's kingdom, God's future kingdom, the one that we look forward to when we say your kingdom come. God worked this way when Jesus was on earth in the early church after Jesus had ascended, and God still works this way now. And this is what James is inviting us to. God still heals, my friends. I have a number of, of thoughts about ways God heals. This is not comprehensive. This is just a few. But the first way that God heals is, is the way we heard in Paul's testimony, right? God heals through the hands of people. I know that some of you have or do participate in medical professions as doctors or nurses. And many of us have been blessed to receive healing through the hands of others. This is God at work. This is one of the things we pray for. I'm here standing before you today because 10 years ago, a do doctor did an ultrasound on me and discovered that I had been internally bleeding for over four hours. God saved my life, healed me through the work of surgeons that day. God heals this way. Secondly, God also intervenes miraculously, reaching into this fallen and broken world, into our fallen and dying bodies, and bringing in the presence of the kingdom now. And so we pray not only for healing through the hands of others, but also healing directly mediated by the Spirit. We might call this miraculous healing. These are little glimpses of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth that are breaking in. This is what's happening in miraculous healing. And my friends, we don't talk about this very much in the Covenant Church, but I want you to know this still happens. 
At the Alpha Conference I was at this past January, I heard testimony of, of youth groups praying for students who for years had injured themselves with, with cutting or self-injury on purpose. And as they prayed over these students, they saw scars miraculously healed. The spirit is at work. God is healing. Maybe this sounds hard to believe, but we've got to ask God for miraculous healing. John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Church, said, when we prayed for no one, no one was healed. Now we pray for lots of people. Some are healed. And I love this attitude of openness. Expectation, yes, but also openness. The space between desire and demand. And finally, Jesus offers us healing, not just sometimes for our bodies right now, but always for our hearts. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. James says, anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This, is, too, is the work of Jesus. In the Gospels, sometimes Jesus would heal people's bodies, and then he would say, your sins are forgiven. Now, the big deal to those listening wasn't always that he healed, right? It was that he said, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes in, in the church, we hear about forgiven sins so much, it might lose its power. It might lose its meaning, and it might be more weird for me to say that God heals us miraculously, but it is just as miraculous that God offers us forgiveness and healing from our sin, healing from our enslavement to sin through the work of Jesus. The same God who can heal bodies, that's pretty amazing, can also forgive our sins and release us from the bondage of guilt and shame. So this is how we're going to participate today. This is my question for you. How do you need healing or release from sin or brokenness or bitterness or addiction today? How do you need physical healing? How do you need healing in general? We're going to have a time of anointing. I have some some leaders in the church and pastors who are going to stand at different stations. There'll be one in the, the back aisle, one in the front, one out by the table in the south wing, and one by the door. And also, Pastor Lars is going to move around if it's hard for you to get up and you'd prefer to sit there. Try to make eye contact with him. We have some oil in the tradition of healing. We don't pour lots on our head anymore. People used to do that, but just a little bit. If you'd like healing... I invite you to go to one of these stations or to make eye contact with Pastor Lars. And we're going to do what James said. We're going to participate. We're going to ask for healing. This could be physical. This could be spiritual. This could be some kind of release from bondage that you hear, feel. Bondage to anger. Bondage to bitterness. Bondage from unforgiveness. My friends, Jesus heals today. Are we going to receive it? How are you going to participate? I invite Deanne up. Deanne's going to offer some special music during this time. Just so you know, if, if you ever would like healing, uh, prayer and anointing for healing, pastors are always available for this. So you don't have to wait for a special service, but you can simply ask. Let's continue in James, the last two verses. 
My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Part of our denominational heritage as, as people in the Evangelical Covenant Church is a historic question we have asked one another. The question is, how goes your walk? What this means is, how goes your walk with Jesus? How are you walking with Jesus? And the goal of our corporate faith together as a church is to walk with Jesus together. But some, sometimes, James says, they wander off. Perhaps they think that a person can walk with Jesus all by themselves, with no one else. Or maybe they wander off because they feel like they don't have enough faith, or they have questions they might not feel safe asking. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe they were bored or distracted by other things. There's lots of reasons for one to wander off. But just as we have prayed in our trouble, just as we have praised God out of the joy in the midst of suffering and prayed for healing, the Spirit empowers all these things. And so too does the Spirit empower us to be like Jesus, to be like the Good Shepherd, to go and find those who have wandered away from the, the flock and gently pick them up, pick them up and bring them back. And we, we bring them back to a place, to a community where we are free and safe to share our trouble, a place where we can be heard and prayed for, a place, place where we can praise God not because life is perfect, but because God is perfect. A place where we can open our hands and receive the healing and release that God has to offer us. It's this place to which we bring back the wanderer. And this is our mission. So today I ask, who is the one that Jesus wants you to go and invite back to the flock? to go and find and pick up with all the love that you have from Jesus. Are you ready to participate? This is something for you to participate in as you go forth this week. So as we sing our closing song, I invite you to stand and we'll sing the hymn, Lift High the Cross, which is part of our mission. Hymn number 680.